Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is a producer, actor, author, director, Emmy-nominated writer, and one of the most prolific and admired comedians of his generation. You've seen him in popular TV shows like Remote Control, the much-beloved and greatly-missed Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn, The Larry Sanders Show, Girls, and Saturday Night Live, as well as hit movies like Who's the Man, Grown Ups, Grown Ups 2, A Night at the Roxbury, and Trainwreck. He's also written and starred in several critically acclaimed one-person shows and television specials, including An Irish Wake and Unconstitutional, as well as Long Story Short and The New York Story, both directed by his old friend Jerry Seinfeld. And 2019's Red State, Blue State, drawing phrase from The New Yorker, the Hollywood Reporter and the New York Times, which affectionately described him as a barstool philosopher. He's also the author of two clever and insightful books, The Coloring Book, A Comedian Solves Race Relations in America, and the recent understated A Coast-to-Coast Roast of the 50 states, named one of NPR's favorite books of 2020. His newest show, Colin Quinn, The Last Best Hope, will run from November 2nd to the 20th at the Lucille Lortel Theater in New York before heading out on a national tour in December. Frank and I are thrilled to welcome to the show a fellow die-hard New Yorker, an artist of multiple talents, and one of the world's funniest human beings, and a man who claims that he personally ruined Robert De Niro's 60th birthday, our old friend Colin Quinn. Jesus, I took, that was interminable. I hope you guys are going to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the long intros have become a running gag. I'm sure the fans really appreciate them. They do. Uh, yeah, they, it can be, it doubles as an obituary. <laughs> <laughs> 
Welcome, Colin, finally. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Gilbert. Good to see you. You too. Now, how did you ruin Robert De Niro's birthday? <laughs> oh, that's an old story. But I mean, I, I, it was on, it was in 2004. It was the 60th birthday party, and his wife asked me to go up and do a De Niro impression, because I did a mediocre De Niro impression. But so I turned it into a Ralph Cramden moment. Where I was like, I'm gonna make this my time with Scorsese, De Niro. This is gonna be my move to start getting in with them. So I wrote this whole long, elaborate. 15 minute show, 20 minutes really. And it was all stuff I'd never done on stage, which is amateur mistake number one. And so I had all my notes laid out and I went on to their, his birthday party. She wanted me to do a one minute thing. I did 20 minutes and bombed so badly that <laughs> 12 years later, Jim Norton and me were in the street and he goes to De Niro and his wife will pass by. He goes, we're just talking with him for a minute laughing. He goes, remember when he bombed at your birthday? And both their faces darkened with pain and hate over that horrible time. <laughs> it was that bad. Well, and, and, and there was a follow-up with Robin Williams? No, There's I a... went out. Robin Williams was one of the guests. Right, the night, that night. And he came outside afterwards because I just walked out stunned, as you do after a nice bomb. And I walk into the rain outside stunned but happy to be out of that room that hated me and he came out he goes oh my god he goes i i saw you get up there and i was like what's colin quinn what's he saying in the mic he goes suddenly you just started talking to a microphone it wasn't set up like a show and that was my fault too and then he goes and he goes i couldn't believe it and i go i know and we go into this whole conversation where and then i had a, a new cashmere sweater that I was bringing to another show and it flung, it was raining, and it fell into the gutter, and a cab ran it over. And he just started crying with laughter. <laughs> Bad night. <laughs> was, it, was, was Scorsese in attendance? No. Oh, okay. Everybody else was. Okay. Erwin Winkler, all the big producers, you know, Jane, Jane Rosenthal. All, all the important people, except only Scorsese wasn't there, but apparently it hasn't affected our relationship either way, because I've never met him you know i see he he's supposedly gilbert is his favorite comedian really? what, what, what do we make of this yeah. gilbert yeah yes and and you could tell by all the scorsese films i've been in i know i was gonna say if he's your if you're a favorite comedian what's going on here yeah i don't know how many times on this show alone someone has said oh griffin and Dunn. i know martin scorsese and he loves gilbert gottfried yeah and i can't get a ticket to a scorsese film. <laughs> well Gilbert was uh, the guy that everybody always ran into see in comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I was in comedy, when we worked at Catch, everybody went in because Gilbert was always, always ahead of the curve as far as his material was always the, you should excuse the term meta before yes. anybody else. Meta before meta was a thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you guys actually remember meeting? You don't have a specific memory of that, do you? No. Yeah. No, neither do I. <laughs> what wasn't Gilbert the guy who got the check spot, Colin? A lot. Um, attached in, in those days. Well, Gilbert, you said you said that you'd put you on to clear the room. Yeah. Some sometimes when they wanted the room cleared, uh, they they'd get me up there because they'd know I'd like just do whatever popped into my head and yeah. lose the crowd, and they'd all pay their checks quickly and go. Well, Gil Gilbert would, was the master of. Bring, 
driving home the point. Yeah. So like, so like, yes, sir. but it, but it was really funny. So it was like people would appreciate it now. Like I said, it was kind of ahead of its time. Like the first time I saw him get up with water, I go, "That's good water." And then he goes, "Jews announce everything," and then he just started announcing things for twenty minutes, and it was really funny. I remember that bit. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of the crowd, a lot of the crowd was a little behind at that time, and they caught up. You know what I mean? But he was, you know. I say he's still ahead of his time. But right now I'm still doing jokes about Bonanza and (laughs) (laughs) Gabe Kaplan. About 15 years ago, I saw him and he did a big Gabe and Mrs. Miller reference. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) McCabe and Mrs. Miller just turned 50 this year. Yeah, so fil- films of ni- good films of 1971. We had Gabe here a couple of weeks ago, and he did tell. Uh, I know you knew that he knew Jack Ruby. He oh, I to- love that. He told a couple of Jack Ruby stories. The greatest. Yeah, yeah. Jack Ruby got pissed off because Gabe used the word tits in his in the Carousel Club. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was a, it was a it was a classy place. Yeah, that's exactly. Well, those guys. Oh yeah, they would never curse like that. Exactly. Right. That was right. For, right. Right. That right. Was for when you know. The- I want to go back to Scorsese, Colin, because I know that you're obsessed with Goodfellas, and I think it's amusing that you say that people start stop following you on Twitter at some point because you're constantly you're constantly quoting Goodfellas dialogue. Well, no, no, that that was not what people people stopped following. I mean, a lot of people stopped following me on Twitter just because I was like very repetitive and very you know. I see. Whatever, whatever I am on Twitter, but yeah, I used to do a whole Goodfellas thing where you'd have everybody weighing in with Goodfellas quotes for everything that was going on. That was a long time ago. I mean, but uh, but the truth is, I've evolved like everybody else in the world. I've evolved now about Goodfellas, where my favorite. I feel like, and I know this is heresy to say, and I hesitate to say it. I like Mean Streets better. Wow, jeez. See, I haven't seen Mean Streets for a while now. I love Mean Streets. Mean Streets is the first place I ever heard the word Mama Luke. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm a, and I'm Italian. So <laughs> so you've evolved on me you, you you like like Obama did on on uh, on gay marriage. On gay marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, cuz I remember Harvey Keitel is in Main Street. Harvey Keitel's in it, but there's also all these side characters yeah. that are great actors, Richard Romanus and and a couple other people and they're so funny. Everybody in it is really funny. Every line of dialogue is hilarious. And I remember there's a part in Main Street where they're waiting at a red light. And De Niro says, what's this, a coffee and cake light? (laughs) Yes. 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 Okay, but one Scorsese film you have not come around on or or, (laughs) it seems to be. Most Scorsese films. Is that true? Yeah. Because Alex told me you like After Hours. I like it. I don't love it. Okay. King of Comedy? Love it. Okay. Love that's it. that's why. Yeah, Gilbert and I were asked to introduce that at Film Forum oh a, co- my God. a couple of years ago, which was kind Is of it? surreal. Of course. What about Casino? Casino, eh, it was okay. I mean, Sharon Stone was great, and but it was just, I don't like the fact that everybody goes out. First of all, Chicago accents are annoying. If you're going to make a mob movie, it's got to be New York. Even the Sopranos, you notice they all have New York accents. None yeah. of them have a Jersey. None of them do a Jersey accent. It's all New York. That's not their accent out there. It's true. That's a good point. Kevin Pollack told us, by the way, that Pesci was pissed off at Rickles through the whole shoot. 
He oh, did, the casino? Yeah, he did not appreciate Rickles' sense of humor. Oh, De Niro that's... laughed at everything Rickles said, and apparently yes. Pesci was, you know, antagonistic. Oh, oh, yeah, no. like, like Rickles was saying about Pesci, I'm going to get on them and ride them like a Shetland pony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was not appreciative of Don Rickles. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> According to Kevin, who was there. <laughs> yeah. But you have to figure, Joe Pesci, all his life, was short and people made little remarks. And then suddenly, he's a movie star. This is the pinnacle of his career. Right. He's done. This is the <laughs> pinnacle of his career. Yeah. I was like, Mr. Pesci, uh, we're ready for you whenever you can. Don't with your trailer. Please take your time. And he's finally forgotten all the little slights and insults since he was a kid. Sure. And then he walks on the set and this bastard starts <laughs> to... You work, you work with Pesci on SNL and, and De Niro in that sketch. No, only in for two Jim, seconds. That Jim Brewer yeah. sketch. Yeah, I was yeah. only for a minute. Yeah. I didn't really talk to him. Yeah. You didn't? No. What do you think of the Scorsese films, if you could rate them after Casino? Um, yeah, I mean, even before Casino, I was yeah. not. Most of his movies, they're just not for me. You know what I mean? And I hate uh, Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. And I hated uh, that one that won the best picture, the Boston one. It oh, had some the good depart- scenes. The Departed. Yeah. Departed was shit. Right. And yeah, I mean, and, <laughs> and we're going to send this episode to Scorsese to get him to do the show, by the way. The Irishman was the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you tweeting about the Irishman. The worst. Yeah. I said it was like a, a travelogue. Yeah. What did you say? They 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 cut out the they left in the best part the parts about the, the checking into hotels. Yeah. yeah, they kept in all the exciting parts of checking into hotels and driving, and, was, and driving. Yeah, and yeah, it was what really accent bad. was Daniel Day Lewis doing in there? In Gangs of New uh, York. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, he was doing that's supposed to be like Americana, you know. What do you think of Departed? I hate it. Oh, you hated. You just mentioned yeah. that, and I hated Departed. Yeah, but there were good scenes in Departed. Good scenes, but I, as a movie, I hated it. Yeah, the original, the original Chinese film it's based on is quite good, actually. I bet it is. Yeah, yeah. actually. And what about The Aviator? Uh, I never saw that one. I couldn't sit through a movie called The Aviator. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> now you're a you're a mob guy. You're a, you, and and I'm talking to Alex, and he's saying that you know, like us, you like films. Uh, from the 70s. You particularly like films set in New York in the 70s, yes, as we do. French Connection turned 50 last week. Yeah. There's a, there's oh, a, a, there's great, a, there's was, a movie. That was a great one. Do yeah. you guys think yeah. there's ever been a better American, not just for film, film actor than Hackman? Better American film actor? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty... He's amazing, you know? And the only reason... I wouldn't have even think he was that amazing, except I saw him in that movie... Um, you know, uh, Unforgiven. Uh-huh. And he was so good as an evil prick in that movie. I was like, wow. Because that's hard for me to, t- it's hard for me to notice. Because I feel like, I like like old school actors that are big. Like, like everybody criticizes Al Pacino. And he does get a little big. But I like like Peter O'Toole. Uh-huh. Like I like, like, you know what I mean? Like the lion in winter. Sure. When he's flailing around. And he's just funny. By the way. Who was that comedian that used to do a Peter O'Toole impression at Catch? Oh, my God. It was a great impression. Mm. You got anyway, me, you got me I stumped. can't remember. 
You got there's some guy, I, I don't know. Who was. You know what's funny? I think um, Alan Arkin said that, uh, like, instead of, like, playing everything quiet, like a lot of actors, he says a lot of actors make that mistake. And he said, real life is big. That's great, yeah. How about The Heart is a Lonely Hunter? Oh, he's great in that. Yes. With Chuck McCann. Yeah. Yes. yeah. What other mob movies do you go in for? Do you like Miller's Crossing? Oh, I love yeah. Speaking of big, yeah. Miller's Crossing. Yeah. Everybody's stylized and they're all great. Operatic, I mean, yeah. John yeah. Polito. <laughs> yeah, the it late starts, John Polito. Here's how great it is. Everybody's great. And then John Turturro comes last and out, and everybody else has to play catch up. That's it's how true. good he is. It's true. And Finney. Everybody, everybody's Albert Finney's great. Gabriel Byrne, a Martian Gay Hard. I mean, everybody's great. Steve Boucher, everybody's great in it. And you like State of Grace too? I saw you in an interview talking about that one. Uh, well, I like I like Gary Oldman in this. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a weird movie. It, 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 uh, but I felt like it had potential. But no, I didn't like it as a whole movie. I thought okay. it was just a whole. Okay. So place. Oldman, we'll forgive Oldman. Is Oldman was amazing. Yeah. Why is he anti-Semitic? Uh, no, he made a statement <laughs> a couple of years ago. I thought Gilbert was going to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I think he made one of those "the Jews run Hollywood" kind of statements. But you Gilbert. can't. But you can't criticize English anti-Semitism. I don't know why. You know what I mean? That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> why is that? <laughs> well, in the Irish community, you can criticize them for being British, but not for being anti-Semitic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and, and, and aside from uh, Coppola's daughter, uh -oh. name all the things that are wrong with Godfather 3. But Godfather 3, the same things that are wrong with The Departed. It's like, you can't bite off this much and not chew it. These guys bite off this stuff, and then they can't even... Like, Godfather 3, it's the perfect plot, which is the Vatican. But this, people are so stupid when they make movies, they're like, we have to make sure that people are involved, invested in the personal love story between this one. And it's like, you've got the Vatican, a true story about the Vatican, a major guy in the Vatican, Sindona, was washing money for the mob. He was laundering money for the mob. That's enough for a movie. Relax on the love story, you fucking idiots. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just like, they're like, no, you gotta have the love story. Like, when you're as big as Francis Ford Coppola making Godfather 3, can't you tell the studio, hey, 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 you were wrong about part one, just back the fuck off. Instead, he's like, well, every arc on page 82, the love story, what the fuck is happening? So instead, they make this bullshit. I felt the and same I'll, way about Titanic. The sinking of the Titanic wasn't story enough <laughs> <laughs> to come up with a love story. Yeah. Put it in the center of it. The worst part of Titanic is the two leads. I fucking hate them. <laughs> By the way, she gave me the evil eye once at a bodega. Kate Winslet did? Yeah. She Do gave tell. Me nothing. I was just at a bodega, and I was with this girl. I was working on a show. And she's there, and then she turned around, and Kate Winslet starts staring at me like this. And my friend goes, she goes, she was waiting for you to turn around so she could give the evil eye. So I'm all on board with that. And by the way, you hear Greg Giraldo's joke about Titanic? He goes, that was a beautiful movie. Girls love it. He goes, they didn't cut, if, they, if he had lived 25 years later, he goes, cut to that couple 25 years later if he didn't die. It's like, get in the boat, Rose! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we miss I, Greg. I always thought I wanted to uh, 
make a different ending for Titanic where he does live. And all of a sudden, this whole thing of, you know, she hates uh, rich, being rich. Right. And high society and loves the working <laughs> class. And I thought, you know, show it. Show the two of them uh, survive and get off the boat yeah. and live in some rat-infested walk-up with yeah. no, with, uh, without yeah. running water, without yeah. a toilet in the building. She, and she works at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Oh, my God, what a reference. <laughs> you are a New York historian. <laughs> Here's two New York films. Here's two gritty New York films that just turned 50. Clute and The Panic in Needle Park. Oh, yeah. There you go, well, Billy. Panic in Needle Park. Panic in Needle Park does is an amazing film. It's set you know, on 72nd Street. It's this beautifully shot thing with these great actors, this dramatic heroin thing, and it's still boring. I don't know how they pulled it off. It's, <laughs> it's not that good. Now, which do you like better, Godfather One or Two? Oh, the same. I don't know. They're both great. I like them both. Yeah, Colin was was uh, doing Abe Vigoda dialogue before we before we actually yeah. turned the mics on. Well, <laughs> my yeah, go ahead. <laughs> my favorite part is at the beginning of Godfather Two when they've changed, they're living in Lake Tahoe, and then Frank Pantangeli just does one thing that makes me go, "Oh, he's from the old neighborhood." He drinks water out of the hose. That's great. Yeah, it's yes. a great moment of authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. Every scene with him was he great. He was good. He was good. He was a playwright. Yeah, he was. Michael Godso, right? Hat full of rain. I, I love <laughs> I love the scene with um Robert Duval in prison where he's telling yeah, him to great. kill himself. Yes. It's an amazing scene. It's it great. It's a great scene. Now speaking of mafiosos, I went to see you last night. At uh, in the Comedy Cellar Extension, what do they call that place? The the Fat Black Pussycat. The Fat Black Pussycat, yeah. Charming little space. You're, you you have a you have a bit about now mafioso guys have podcasts. Oh yeah. Did I miss something? Which <laughs> <laughs> like who who's like got a ten podcast? of them? Do they? Sammy Sammy the Bull has one. No shit. Oh yeah, a lot of guys have them. Yeah. Gilbert, we got to get on this. Yes. Sir. Yeah. No, they no, they're very they're very popular. And they have New York. Believe me, if you can get Sammy the Bull or Michael Francesi on your podcast, you'll those guys will be telling great stories. They're both I'm, like they have stories. I'm actually related. I, uh, uh, Mike, Mikey is uh, Michael is adopted, but I'm actually related to the old man, to Sonny. Really? Yeah, he's my grandmother's first cousin. Oh my God! You could probably get him on the show. There you go. Gilbert, you want to... No, Sonny died, see, but we could... We, no, you get, I'm saying Sonny, you get Michael. Yeah. Sonny was like see, 100. See, and yeah. people would say it's offensive to think that every Italian is somehow connected <laughs> to the mob. And, and it's true. <laughs> Each one is connected yeah. to the mob. Yes. <laughs> Gil, you're not, you're not a distant cousin of Louis Lepke? <laughs> <laughs> also, I know you're a fan. Talking to Brazil, I know you're a Lumet fan. Speaking of New York yes. films, oh my God, of course. Who doesn't like Sidney Lumet? I mean, he had some great ones. We talk about one him of, all the time here. Well, one of the most underrated, as you know, probably is Q and A. Yeah, Nolte. Q and A. Oh my God, Nolte and 
uh, Armand Asante. Yeah, it's a good one. And Lewis. Oh, my God. There's so many great performances today. Charles Dutton. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Great. We had and Treat Williams Timothy here. Hutton. We did a lot of talk about Prince in the City. Oh, and, Prince of the City, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah great. Prince of the City. It was great, but there was something off about it. I can't figure it out, but there was something weird about that movie. It's about I an hour and a half too long, but it's Maybe good. Maybe that's what it was. But it's good. Yeah. Oh, it's I got love Jerry it. Orbach and all, all, all those great New York and actors. Jerry Orbach's great in that movie, by the way. Yeah. He turns the guy's desk over and kicks him in the balls. Yeah. Tell and, me, and tell and me. The, go ahead, Gil. The pawnbroker. It's another one. Oh, the best. Yeah, really good. How about when he goes, tell me how you do it, Mr. Nasserman. And he goes, how do we do it? He explains to the Puerto Rican kid that works for him. We take a, I cut it in half, and you don't eat lunch. And then you, oh, what a, what a monologue. Yes. Now you gotta like Steiger because I know you love uh, 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 um, film. Just went out of my head on the waterfront. On the waterfront. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, what a, yeah. Another great one. They shot that in Hoboken, you know. Have you heard Gilbert's Rod Steiger? No. My dear Miss Birchfield, you <laughs> have made this an extremely tedious afternoon with your constant search for an answer. Now I ask you, please stay out of my life. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, was she the social worker? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Geraldine Fitzgerald. Very oh good. Oh, my God. And, and, what did, and what did Steiger say after Brando uh, screwed him on On the Waterfront, Gilbert? When he wouldn't do the, when he wouldn't do the two shot with him? You remember? Oh, he was pissed I, off. I forget. What did he say? You do that impression. You know the bit where you say, I didn't speak to him. Oh, I did. I met Steiger and I spoke to him briefly. And I asked him about because when they did the two shot, Brenda went home. So when it was time for Steiger's close up, he's playing it off some, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, he goes, I didn't speak to him for 20 years after that. Wow. He was right. Yeah. Yeah. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. There's a part in the porn broker where he's talking to Geraldine Fitzgerald and he's looking out over the balcony and he goes, today is an anniversary. I didn't die. Everything I loved was taken away from me, and I did not die. Unbelievable. <laughs> By the way, you know it's another great movie, Rod Saga? No Way to Treat a Lady. Oh, we lo we talked uh, yes, about it. We, talk yes. we, did, we did a whole episode about that movie <laughs> with Lee Remick. Yes, and yes. Lee Remick. And, and Morris was the cop. And yeah. remember, his mother, and it was like, that was what made it great. He's the Jewish cop. His mother yep. harasses him. And Rod Steiger's got mother issues, so he's killing everybody. You it's bet. like reminds him. Oh, the best. We and, tried and like and hell to get Siegel on this show. We we couldn't get him. Yeah. He would have been a great guest. Well, I hate to break it to you. I'll tell you why. why? Anyway. No, I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Steiger uh. was having fun because he's such a ham. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> oh, he says the Irish guy, then the German. You have yes. strudel. Yeah. You have strudel. Well, he, he was, was good. 
He was taking parts in those days that allowed him to overact, like the love Yes. Ones. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying these are the performance. Sorry, they're drilling right outside my hand. These are the parts. <laughs> we'll work with my, it. My block has more Con Ed. It's crazy. It's one little block. And it's always, there's always either Con Ed. It's always blocked off. You can't drive at this block ever. Where are you? Like in the, in the East Village? No, no, down down by the financial district. Oh, I see. A lot going on down there. Let me shout out two actors that did this podcast that also acted with you because it gives me a chance to bring up one of my favorite Colin projects, and that's Cop Show. Oh. Which I loved, and I'm going to tell our listeners to find it. It's on YouTube on Colin's channel. You 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 worked with, uh, well, three people, but I'll mention two great actors, Buscemi and, Dan, and the late Danny Aiello. Yeah, I saw Danny Aiello, yeah. Yeah, both who did this show. You look like you're having a blast doing that show. I had so much fun. I had so much fun. And Buscemi is the greatest. He's you know the best I mean? guy. He's like such a great guy. Everybody consistently just loves him. You know what I mean? He's just a nice guy. For for such a talented actor, it's like a humble. Like some people don't have a personality of showbiz. You know what I mean? He's one of those. Oh, he's down to earth. Gilbert Gilbert, yeah. uh, Gilbert uh, 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 screwed him on a cab fare years yes. ago. he did. <laughs> Here's the story. Steve was trying his hand at stand-up. Gilbert was already established as a stand-up. They got into a cab together. Steve assumed that Gilbert, as the established, successful right. comic, had the cab. Right. He he was mistaken. Shows well, because... how fucking stupid Buscemi is. <laughs> well, you should know, Gilbert's famous for not taking cabs. He's famous for taking the bus to his Letterman spot. Yeah. I want to I want to I want to tell our listeners why Gilbert was late to the George Takei recording that we did at the Friars Club. Dara showed up without him. George Takei was sitting there waiting to be recorded. I said, "Where's Gilbert?" and Dara said he insisted on taking the bus. He didn't want to waste the transfer. <laughs> <laughs> True story. The third right. guy we had on this show who does wonderful work on Cop Show is the uh, the legendary Pat Cooper. Oh my Pasquale God! Caputo. He's the what greatest. the hell was that like? He's the greatest. I mean, you know what it's like. Yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. He's that guy where you don't. It doesn't matter if he's trying to be funny or he's dead serious. It's so funny. Yeah. When he's serious, he just goes. And if you go ha ha, he goes. I'm not kidding right now. You're like okay. But it's so <laughs> <He's> funny. <laughs> and and when he was on the podcast, he was one of those guests. Where we could have left and gone out to dinner yeah. and come back. <laughs> yes. he's still be talking. He is the greatest. And he's people don't realize he's six foot four. Yeah. He's intimidating. Even if he was he's five big. eight. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm saying and he's so he tall. used to because everyone like would worship like Johnny Carson and stuff. <laughs> and and he always would say, Watch Johnny Carson. What is he? God? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's one of those guys you never say anything nice about any of these peers around. Because he'll fucking let you have it. Did did that premise, did Cop Show grow out of the fact that you were never asked to do Law & Order? Cause, yeah. Because it's a parody of a, it's it's a, I should explain it, it's a behind-the-scenes satire of, yeah. about a per, a, the making of a police procedural like Law yeah. & Order. And you you, yeah. you, you, you you dial in all these wonderful New York actors. Uh, uh, to be on it, and, yeah. and it's a little Larry Sanders esque in the sense that oh, yeah. you, you you're playing yourself as kind of a as kind of a clueless, right. self absorbed celebrity. Sure, 
Yeah, it's got Larry Sanders' uh, influence for sure. Very smart. But, uh, but thanks. Yeah, it was uh, right. That's what it was. And I was never asked to be on Law and Order, which is an insult. By the way, Gilbert, were you ever asked to be on Law and Order? Was he ever on Law and Order? I, I did. I don't want to rub it in your face. <laughs> I, I did two Law and Orders. <laughs> oh, boy. You should see the look on Colin's face right now, listeners. <laughs> He's holding his head. Like, like not dealing with the. He's like. He's like Brando saying the horror, the horror. <laughs> <laughs> I love that but, you injected an Uta Hagen character into the yes, into cop show. <laughs> because I studied so at HB Studios with Bill Hickey. Oh, God, great. Yeah. great. Play, and, uh, played, played Gilbert's uncle, Bill Hickey. Oh, he did perfect. He's perfect for Gilbert's uncle. Yes, and that he, was on, on Wings. On Wings. Yeah, yeah. he was He's, so funny. He used to sit in acting class back in the early 80s, sit in acting class, smoke, and give notes. And his clothes, by the time he was done with class, would be covered in ashes, like volcanic ash. He'd smoke two packs, <laughs> two packs of cigarettes in like three hours and just sit there and smoke and talk. And his clothes would be covered in ashes every time. Great in Princey's honor. Oh, great. great. Yeah. It's just I remember it's on Wings, he has a line. He's talking. I'm his nephew, and he talks about me, and he goes, He's a nice young man, but he's got such an annoying voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great Bill Hickey impression, by the way. I want. I, I have to recommend Cop Show to our listeners because it's a lot you. of fun. It's great to see Keith Robinson again. Yeah, and, and our friend Peter Gross and Peter and Gross is amazing, really oh, funny and, guy. And what you did there, because it drives me nuts too, is substitute words for curse words on these. Yes, things. yes, yeah. Pat was like fuming over, even though that was the joke. Pat was so mad about it. Also, the good thing about Pat is even if it's the joke, he's still mad. About, he, he gets the joke, but he's still mad about it in real life, even though. <laughs> He's, he's always mad. He's twice as mad as everybody else because of that. And by the way, I think Bill Hickey was in No Way to Treat a Lady, if I'm not mistaken. He might have been. That's good. Oh, he could have been like, um, like whatchamacallit, a snitch or something. He yes. Played. Yeah. Why do you say this is, I'm going to use this as a segue, the word snitch. Uh, why do you think this is the golden age of snitching? Oh, because of social media. Uh-huh. Because there's no repercussions for just saying whatever you want. So everybody's just, it's a constant, everybody on social media is all day is going, please watch this person. Please watch that. Stop this person. It's, it's insane. They're all snitches. And it's like in the old days, you're a snitch. They uh, found out you were, and then you were in a lot of trouble. Snitches, now like, snitches get stitches. Yeah. Yes. They used to say. Now snitches get development deals. <laughs> Gilbert, Gilbert, with the with the uh, with the Aflac thing, did Aflac just discover it on their own, or were you ratted out by people on social? Ratted out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I found out. I was fired. I didn't find out from them. I saw on the internet. It's nobody. But what he said, Frank is saying, did you do you think Aflac found out, or somebody? Yeah, did, called so, them. Somebody on social media raised raised yeah. that red flag. Oh, I'm sure, and I also think Aflac was more than pleased to go. Hey, <laughs> we could get somebody cheaper 
Right. And we'll make a whole campaign out of it, too. Right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, one time they offered me some pizza commercial like 10, 12 years ago. Not good money, but it was, I forget who it was. It was a big pizza. They had money, you know. But they offered my, they said, we wanted to do it. I was like, Dad, I'm not doing that. It's no money, whatever. They got a guy that did me. Everybody used to come up to me and go, hey, I heard you in that pizza thing. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, shit. Well, like, like. They with, did it to with, him? With that, like, the guy they got said in an interview, he said, well, before I recorded, I listened to a lot of uh, the original commercials. To, and I thought, oh, so you stole my identity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a quick question from a listener, Colin. Uh, war, uh, let's see. Uh, Adam Palmer wants to know, I love Colin Quinn. How the hell did he wind up in Crocodile Dundee 2? Oh, well, that's another great famous story. What happened was, I mean, how I got, I got one line in that story, in that movie. But what I did was, this is how deluded I was. It's like 1988. I knew Gilbert. And I went and I rewrote, I read the script. Somehow they gave a guy who was basically an extra a copy of the script, me, which is why they shouldn't do it. It's dangerous. I read the script. It was set in New York. I go, this isn't a real New York movie. I'll make it a New York movie. Nobody asked me to. I'm an extra with one line. I rewrote the whole script and handed it in to the director. Wow. Ooh. Nobody asked me. And luckily, <laughs> he was Australian, so he's probably like, hey, we got a stalk on his head. But by the way, I wish I had a copy of that script. I rewrote the whole script. Guess who is now the sidekick leading Paul Hogan around New York? Me. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Talk about a loser. You still and, writing and, the occasional screenplay, Colin? Yeah, I have a, I have a lot of screenplays. Yeah. What gets me about Crocodile Dundee is like, after a while you go, no, it's not just he's Australian. He's a fucking idiot that he doesn't know. Everything's <laughs> a mystery to him. But also you have to understand his, it was, he, he gave a fresh perspective in our world of high tech. He was really back to, it was back to nature, man. You know what I mean? Yes. You call him an idiot, but it was refreshing that suddenly this guy, you know, he's at a restaurant and the snooty guy, it was the eighties. It was sort of, it was sort of like wall street for, you know, mm -hmm. for idiots. So like the guy with the slick back hair and then Paul Hogan goes, excuse me. And the guy looks the other way and he hits him and knocks him out in his chair. So it was really, it was, a, it was an indictment of eighties uh, greed and, and corporate America. <laughs> Speaking of legendary actors, here's another one for you, Colin. Andrew Laposha, our friend. Any stories about working with the late great Norman Lloyd in Trainwreck? Now, this is a guy uh, that worked with Chaplin and Hitchcock. Yeah. Yeah. And Judd, Judd, we had Judd on the show, and he was telling us that Norman was driving himself to the set at whatever the hell he was, 97? Yeah. Amazing. 96? I mean, yeah. I mean, he lived and, to be 100 and, yeah. And, and someone he, else said he showed up, he had to take a plane there, and he took a plane by himself. He was like 100, he got on the yeah. plane. It's crazy. And he knew Babe Ruth. Oh, because wow. you got that Babe Ruth dialogue in the movie. Yeah, that was based on him just talking about Babe being... But when I was talking to him, it was the weirdest, because he, I think he was 100 by then or 99. He might have been. But he was so lucid, it was crazy. You know what I mean? It was just everything you would say to him. It wasn't like talking to somebody where you're like, hey, he was like, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he understood everything. It was crazy. It was crazy. What a but legend. We tried yeah. to get him. <clears throat> we tried to get him. They, his people told us, nah, he's done enough of these things. Yeah, I guess he has all those. <laughs> Plus, it's always probably Hitchcock. And then, you know, the other one. Uh, Limelight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we worked with Chaplin and Keaton. Yeah. I'm oh, pretty sure. I just remembered something. When we had Steve Buscemi on, in the middle of the interview, he said to me, do, do you know anything about my career? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what he said. He said, I'm so flattered that Gilbert has only a passing knowledge of my career. <laughs> well, yeah, but you knew like the Coen Brothers movie. You know, you know the importance ones with him, right? What does he want? He has a long career. You can't be there for all of it. You know don't, I mean? don't defend he, him, Colin. <laughs> I'm defending you. I'm defending Gilbert. Against... I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> he was he was woefully unprepared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Gilbert, at least you can put a list of his stuff in front of you. I mean, and plus, he's been in everything. Yes. Yeah, Gilbert, yes. Gilbert probably slipped up and goes, so you did work with Scorsese? And he's like, yes, I did. <laughs> okay, this is a long time ago, Colin, but I love doing research on you. And I went back to 95 to watch the great Sanders episode where yeah. you played Cully, Rip Toward Son. And you got scenes with this guy who's another iconic actor. Any any Who? memories? Rip. Oh, Rip, yeah. Any memories at all of, of, yeah. of doing that? I know you were young. Well, Rip Torn was, uh, yeah, no, I wasn't that young. But Rip Torn was so, like, I'm playing his son. Yeah. So his, his ne'er-do-well son. Yeah, and his yes. son was on the set that week. And his son's like this nice guy. And he's like, yeah. We had a rough time, me and my father. He's telling me. So it's like a research, even though I'm playing this role. It was really, he's like, we had a really rough relationship. So like, it, it's, um, and then Rip's going to me like, yes, I was not the father to him. I should have been. So like in the middle of this scene, we're doing wow. all this like, yeah, it was really deep. And, uh, and uh, yeah, but Rip was like, you know, I mean, he was such a, he's such a down to earth. Like he wasn't like, you don't know how to act because I did not act. But he was just like, yeah, like he's just like goes right into it. His son's right there off stage. So while I'm doing the son, the son's going, that's just how he was with me. It was really weird. It was great. You underestimate you know? yourself. You more than held your own with him. Oh, you, do you regret not staying in touch with Gary after that? Gary Shanley, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Gary would stay in touch. Like he would send me an email once in a while. He was just a great, great guy. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, yeah, I should have been, uh, I should have been more like cherished that more. But I just, you know, how it is. We, uh, yeah, we both knew him a little bit, but prob yeah. probably not as well as you. But Judd I, and Mike Mike I, Bonfiglio made that great documentary for HBO. Yeah, yes, I have a thing where, um, and I always, I'm always amazed that people I know, other comics, where they're like they're friends with, they'll go. Oh yeah, I had dinner with Mick Jagger as usual every uh or and and they know I've got Who? Uh, no, I I've, I've just known comedians and stuff who yeah. who are friends with major celebs. Right. Right. And I know a couple of times in my life where a celebrity has given me their phone number and told me to call him and I never do it cuz I'm always right. scared I'm always scared, like, it's like how a girl gives you her number and she's so excited when she gives you a number and then you call her and it's like, hi, it's Gilbert. And it's like, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. I mean, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've never tried to reach out to celebrities. It was, it definitely feels weird to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like the fact that our peers become friends with these people. It annoys me, and it infuriates me, and it bugs me too. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. Anytime any comedian goes, oh, I'm hanging out with this one, I go, oh, shut up. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, that shit. You're a comedian. And really, the good thing about comedians is they always miss hanging out with other comedians. Even if they're hanging out with Mick Jagger, they kind of wish they were hanging out with other comedians. Yeah. We're more fun. You know, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger, I mean, I hate this to be a Scorsese bashing session, but Mick Jagger, Martin Scorsese, like these guys, they're geniuses in their world. But if they start talking about comedy, we're like, oh, they don't know what the hell they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so much for you being Scorsese's favorite comic, Gil. Yes. You know, oh, that, good point. <laughs> that, that was the conceit of this show, Colin. Like, you know, the, the green kitchen in the old days, you know, after, yes. the, after the late shows at Catch. Yes. That was the idea. A bunch of, Absolutely. Or, a bunch of guys get together at 2 in the morning after the club closes at 4, right. whatever the hell you guys got together. And, sure. and and sat around or the or the Carnegie Deli scene in Broadway Danny Rose. That's right. That was the idea. Let's get fun people, comics, yeah. and sit around and just and just bullshit about, you know, the old days. Yeah. Uh, you know you you know you guys should get on, I don't know if he's still alive, Norman Fell. When I was on Remote he's gone, Control long gone. Uh, yeah. When I was on MTV on Remote Control, uh we had Norman Fell on one episode. And they brought him on because it was a game show about the old TV shows. Sure. And they wanted to go to Ken Ober and go, well, Kenny, you know, you're a little. <laughs> so, so Norman Fell, Norman Fell, that was it. Norman Fell shows up and his writer, it says, I want my check. Before I go on, I want my check and a, and a cold six pack of beer before I go on. I want him in my dressing room. And it's like, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> 10 in the morning, he comes in, opens a beer, drinks the beer, puts his check in his pocket, comes out, goes, you know, Ken. And then the director goes, could you do it a little bigger? And he looks at him like, yeah, I guess you do it again, Ken. And then goes back to his dressing room, one more beer and leaves. Wow. <laughs> and, and but Norman, he was a nice guy. He was a nice guy. You know? Yeah. Norman <laughs> Fell, I met, and he's one of the... People who gave me his phone number. Perfect timing. <laughs> he's one of the guys he didn't stay in touch with. Yes. And no, I, he, he's yeah. a guy you should have kept in touch with. I know. I would have He's your type of guy. To him, but it's not Mick Jagger. It's Norman Fell. He's got and, all the stories. And yeah, so Gil. Norman Fell, I would have loved to have spoken, but I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to call him and I'll go, yeah, what do you want? No. He and had two, all those. Uh, two other yeah. people who gave me their numbers, uh, George Carlin and Jonathan Winters, and I never called either one. Well, you know, the funniest thing about George Carlin, do you, you know Joe DeRosa? I know Joe. Yes. Funny comic. He used to have a tattoo that said, keep kicking him, K-K-I-T-N. Keep kicking him in the nuts. Mm -hmm. And everybody goes, where'd you get that tattoo? And he goes, I got it because George Carlin talked to me, and he goes, he go, I go, you have any advice? He goes, just keep kicking him in the nuts. Keep kicking him in the nuts. And so he got that tattoo. So he said, he talked about it on a show and then people calling in going, Joe, he, that was his goodbye to everybody. That's was his just. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh. 
<laughs> so Joe, Poor Joe. They're just abusing him. So he got the tattoo changed. Well, <laughs> I remember being on a plane before I had ever met him. And I was walking down the aisle and I saw uh, George Carlin was on like about two uh, rolls down for me. And I thought, well, I don't want to bother him. And I'm sitting there. And then at the, when it's getting toward the, uh, oh, no, it's like when they're taking off, George Carlin is walking down the aisle and he comes right up to me. And I thought, oh, my God, Carlin wants to talk to me. And he said, uh, yeah, I have to read some stuff and I got to work and then I'm going to take a nap so I can't talk to you. And he walked away. <laughs> it's like he went out of his way to tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> what a tribute. That's hilarious. Listener David Conaghy points out that you guys were both there when the block at Morningside Heights was dedicated in George's name. Oh. Yes. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to pay you a compliment, Colin. I hope it doesn't embarrass you. But seeing you last night, you know, not a lot of people are doing that kind of social commentary in their comedy and and this kind of philosophizing that 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 george was doing certainly in the in the later years i wow. I, I think i think what you're doing is as good i really oh do oh my god thank you so much it's the ultimate compliment i realize i've been around i've seen a lot of comics yeah and uh i i, I love what you're doing and and putting things nice. into a historical context which he did yeah yeah you i know, love doing that you don't see it you don't see it a lot which is my my uh, my clumsy segue into uh <laughs> into talking about the one-man shows but specifically, I want to talk about New York story because you're a lifelong New Yorker. So are we. I, I love what you had to say about the, the Italians. <laughs> and I love what, you, what, what, what is this thing about the Jews, too? They were the only people who willingly went out of their way to get the TB tests. Yeah, at, at Ellis Island. Yeah. They're the only people. Everybody else is... Everybody else was trying not to get it. Like, oh, they'll send me back home. I hope I don't have TB. The Jews are like, excuse me, you missed this whole row. Uh, it's, I don't know what this is, but it's something, you know, you're a doctor. This guy's supposed to be a doctor. It's so you know? funny. Uh, I like this, too, that New York and, you know, it's a city that Gilbert and I love. Obviously, we're, we both yes. grew up here. We we lament the changes to it. Yes. Uh, yes. You describe it accurately, I think. The city born of misery and complaint. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... And that, the negativity makes the city funny. Right, like all the people ca that came here were dissatisfied with something in their old country to come here. They must have had a negative attitude from the beginning. They're not coming here because they were happy people. So that's who ended up here, you know? I, I miss what you're talking about, too, in the show. I miss the German delis. You know, I'm up here on the Upper East Side. Germantown yeah. is really gone. I know. You know, know. those it, Greek, you're talking about the Greek coffee shop owners. You got that great bit where they're, they're, they're throwing you out as they're seating you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Could you, you do a little bit of that? Do you for so sorry? I can't, I can't remember. Oh, you can't five, remember it. Five but years it's, ago. It's, it's wonderful. And I but, miss but it's disappearing. In New yeah. York, there used to be just great junk stores. These yes. stores that had like, it was no rhyme or reason. There was clothes, there was food, right, uh, there right, was right. tools, yeah. and, yeah. and yeah. You'd, you'd always wind up buying stuff because you go, well, I don't need it, but it's so cheap. <laughs> yeah, well, it was just the the one place around here they closed because of COVID, 
was a, there was an odd lot. Remember odd lot store? Sure, oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, that's Gilbert's, right there on Chambers Street. Speed. Now it's gone. Yeah, there was odd lot and job lot. Yep. And there was Weber's, John's Bargain Store. Oh God. Yes. Oh, Robin's yeah. was another one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you spend any time in Queens, like uh, Ozone Park, sure. Woodhaven? That's where I'm from. Oh, you remember John John's Bargain Store on uh, hey. on Woodhaven Boulevard? Hey, or Louis, Louis Gil- of Woodhaven mean anything to you, Gilbert? Just the fact that we're talking about these Italians saying they're not mob. He's from Ozone Park. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Forgotti country. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love this too. You're talking about the subway then and now. You're saying you get on the subway yeah. now. There's a beautiful poem. You know, uh, you, yes. you, 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 and you get on the subway in 1970, there's a poster. It's chain snatching season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tuck your stuff in. Tuck yeah. your stuff in. In the 80s even, yeah. In the 80s. You know, do you remember a bookstore called Cinemabilia? You're a movie guy. No, where's that? It was that? an old bookstore in the village that specialized in movie books and books about yes. cinema. It was a Samuel French kind of place. Right. I mean, that's um, what I miss, the old funky record stores. Me too. Walking around last store, night and when I came to see you in the club, you know, Bleecker Street yes. looks like a shadow of itself. I know. And there used to be dollar movie theaters. Of course. Yes. And yeah. so that way, if the movie was a piece of shit, you'd go, eh, all right, it was a dollar. Right, it was like third-run movie houses, right? That's right. And Bleecker Street used to have, do you remember this place? Zito's Bakery. I, that, that sounds familiar. See, that does. And it, all yes. it sold was familiar. bread, big loaves of bread. It was the right. Well, there was the old butcher shop on Bleecker Street yes, that had yes. been there forever, and I, I just the, the name best. of it just went out of my head. And yeah. Bleecker, and, Bleecker Bob's Records. And I remember Bleecker Bob's when, records. I, when I first uh, lived, I grew up in Brooklyn. And yeah. when we first moved to Manhattan, we were living on Avenue A. And people would say to me, you know, what are you, crazy? Uh, right, of course. Yeah, because it was like back then, you know, they called it Alphabet City. And you took your life in your hands then. Absolutely. You were living in those, but, and what year was that? Uh, that, oh, I forget. It was uh, years ago. I remember it was sh- shitty. Uh, Avenue A, where you lived, was bad. You like if you walk because I lived on 10th Street between A and B in 1981. Yeah. And if you walk below 7th Street and you live below 7th Street, it was 10 times worse. Yeah. Where you lived. If, I you, were, if you were walking to the old improv, you were taking your life in your own hands, Gil. Oh. I used to. Uh, yeah. I, I <laughs> For cannot <sure>. believe. <laughs> I cannot believe all a billion times going to the improv that I wasn't stabbed to death because that yeah. was uh that's when yes. Times Square was Times Square. That's right. That's right. Oh my God, I miss too the uh, you know these these coffee shops you're talking about. It's 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 sl- it's happening slowly and subtly, but yeah. but the Blarney Stones have gone away. All gone the, is the one. The Greek coffee shops are going away. I mean, yep. we, could go, we could go back to the autumn yes. if we really want to be uh, uh, overly sure. sentimental about this. But but the flavor, the ethnic flavor. I'm not. I, I'm 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 saying things that have been said a lot. But well, the, course, the ethnic but I, flavor of these neighborhoods, to say nothing of what's happened a little Italy in Chinatown, which have been, yeah, shrunk. Yes, that that's 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 the identity of the city. To to say nothing of the bookstores and the record and, stores and, and yeah. that's something about watching movies, particularly from the seventies. Yeah, comes alive where you again. could look at New York. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like, like I always liked uh, by another uh, a Sidney Lumet film, Bye Bye Braverman, uh. where it's got these helicopter shots about <laughs> all, all over Brooklyn. Well, it's all ocean. The whole movie takes place on Ocean Parkway. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And the <laughs> That's greatest why he likes cast. It. <laughs> I mean, uh, George Siegel, Sorrel Book, Jack yeah. Warden, yeah, and and uh, oh, Godfrey, Godfrey Cambridge, Godfrey Cambridge, Godfrey Cambridge. I heard you didn't like Wait. Godfrey Cambridge in that one, Colin. I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor you thought Godfrey Cambridge was weak in that picture. Well, I did. How did you know that? I know a lot of things. Yeah, I did feel like I that hear was things, a. Joey. I feel like that. <laughs> I hear that part, <laughs> that part was written was over the top. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Oh, I and Jack. You. Uh, oh, oh, Joseph Wiseman. Yes. Oh my Is God. It? The Jewish yeah. Bond. I didn't think it was a great movie, but I did love the Ocean Parkway shots. Yeah. Because I used to live on it. I went to, I went to, PS one seventy nine, which was on East Seventh Avenue C and uh, Ocean Parkway when I was a little kid. Gilbert's right though. You watch these movies from the sixties and the seventies. These New York movies. I'm watching Serpico, and there's a cigarette machine on the subway platform. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're seeing uh, these things that come yes. back. It, it's it's a it's oh. a disappearing New York. Thank God these films exist. Yes. Um, exactly. You describe the old New York. I love this line too. You'd walk out. You'd walk out the door, and the pimps were lined up like city bikes in in Times Square. <laughs> yeah. At a port of, outside Port Authority. Yeah. Yeah. I remember walking you were risking your to life then. The, the improv, I'd hear like walking down one block a hundred times, going out, going out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was all the hookers, that big line, going out. Well, I'm tr I'm actually trying to get my sister, my friend's sister, to uh, write a book because she was an undercover. And she, wow. was a girl from, she was a girl from New York, New York accent, but she had the whitest blonde hair. She looked like she was from... She stepped off the Minnesota Strip, as he used to call it. She looked like she stepped off the... And they have her in Port Authority. And she was a little girl with blonde hair who looked 15 years old. She looked like the perfect victim. And the pimps would swoop down on her. And she was wired. And then they'd come in and get them, you know? Wow. Wow. That's very but cool. They, but, of course, you know, after two months, everybody knows who she is. <laughs> you, know? you can't... You can only... You can't pull that off forever. You know, that's a problem. She was getting... You know, what when, I mean, when they all know her on a first name basis, right? They're like, "Oh, yeah. I recognize that girl." You know, yeah. but she looked like central casting of uh, the girl from Iowa or whatever. You know, Gil now, Gilbert. Now go ahead, you, go ahead, go. oh, go ahead. You, you, go. you had a much more successful uh, period on Saturday Night Live than me. Um, <laughs> in some ways, it was. In some ways, it wasn't. But go ahead. Yes. No, no. I, I'm just saying. Uh, describe your uh, memories. Um, well, I mean, that's really a kind of a very vague, unprofessional question. And I can't believe <laughs> there's nothing specific. Just, even if even if it was a, it's about a, a few year period, even if it was about one day and you said to somebody, even if it was about one hour you were talking about and you said to somebody, describe your memories, that would still make no, that would still become the most, you know, intangible statement anyone's ever made. He's taking a Jungian approach, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's doing. I like that.
That's what he's doing. Well, we'll ask you I specifics see. then. Shapes. I, have I see a, shapes. I have a fondness for Lenny the Lion. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and also a, guy, a, a lion with father issues. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I always like that you, stay, he, you see yourself standing over a bloody carcass. You catch your reflection in the watering <laughs> hole. Is this how people really see me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had fun those first couple of years uh, to answer Gilbert. I had so much fun doing that kind of stuff. But then the couple, last couple of years, I should have left. I should have gone. You know what I mean? But, I mean, uh, the first couple of years just playing around was fun. Well, you said you liked the read-throughs best. That that was, that was the, the, high, the highlight of the week. I loved read throughs. Yeah, I really did. I, I mean, yeah. I also heard you say you should have stayed a writer. Do you mean that? Um, and, on and, that show, yeah, I should have. But this is impossible because here's the kind of research Frank does, Gilbert. <laughs> These are the last two things he, he's asked me, and I'm not imagining it. They're just things I've thought in my head in the past <laughs> month. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, there's no way I've said that anywhere except to like maybe one person. This is insane. Well, you and I have crossed paths a lot over the years. Maybe you said no, this to me. This is, no, this is only the past. Backstage month. at the view. The, the past two things you've said, I've only thought in my head in the past month. I swear to God, maybe I said it to one person. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, God, uh, I, lo I love it. I find it hard to believe there was one Jewish writer there when you got there. Yeah, only one Jewish writer, Hugh Fink. That was it. Hugh Fink. Funny guy. Yeah, funny and guy. Good, good, good violin player. Gilbert, by the way, on the subject of <laughs> SNL. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love Hugh. On the subject of SNL, Gil, somebody, somebody found a writer who was on your season. I, I, I lost track of the name, who said he definitely, definitely made sure that you were cast as a corpse. Uh, yes, yes, there was, this shows the horrible, uh, I, I didn't like the writers, the writers didn't like me, and they one time were doing a funeral sketch where they cast me as the corpse. Was it Barry Blaustein? <laughs> it could have been. Some, I they, don't know. They said like, they were pissed off because you kept coming up with ideas and then saying, you know what? I'll save that for my act. <laughs> I could see that. That's what I, I have. That's a problem with being a stand-up. You always think that way. I think that way. I'll keep I'll keep this one. Uh on the subject of SNL, and it's 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 sweet when you took over for Norman. We have Gilbert and I haven't said anything. Gilbert, I don't know. Have you spoken publicly since Norm passed about him, Gil? Uh, I think I don't know if I. We haven't said probably. anything on this show, yeah. which which we no. we would we would like to do now. You both knew him well, but uh, the the bartender speech when when you took over, and obviously oh, the, yeah. it was a very awkward period for you. Oh God! To be stepping into that role and also the, a friend's job. Yes. Yeah. It was like it was like uh, we lived in the same building too. Did he ever say anything to you about that? Did he ever give you? He a blessing? was so. Cla no, but uh -huh. he was so classy and not saying anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's all. You, you know, have that was, great, I'm Steve, what can I get you? Yeah. The bartender but, piece. But, uh, yeah, but that was, you know, yeah. But I wish it would have stayed the way it was. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, Norman said. <laughs> Norman said <laughs> he's so funny. 
He was so distinctively funny. You Nobody like him, really. No. No, he had his own thing, you know what I mean? He was just very, uh, well, like Gilbert. I mean, they just, they just have their own, they march to their own drummer, even in a business where everybody marches to their own drummer. They both have that, you know, idiosyncratic thing where they just be like, I'm, this is how I am, and that's it. And it's great, but, you know, you have to tune to their frequency. You know, it's, it's not like you can just, you know. You know what's funny about that first update you did? Here's Norm being fired, as we all know, by Don Olmeyer right. because of because of coming cutting too close to the bone with the OJ jokes. When in fact he was doing a public service right, by telling right. those OJ jokes. And I'm watching you do do your first update. There's an OJ joke. <laughs> it's like the third oh, joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. shook his hand once, OJ. OJ getting, yeah. getting out of a car. Well, I was or he was MT- getting out of a limo. It was getting out of a limo, middle of the afternoon. And I have no psychic uh, energy. I've never had those kinds of things, you know. But for whatever reason, this was in an afternoon. He's getting out of a limo with a girl. It's spring break. It's packed with people. It's Florida. And they're like, hey, do you want to meet OJ? I go, yeah, OJ. He's greatest running back of all time. You know, great, charming movie star. I shake his hand. He shakes my hand. And he's not even looking at me. He's looking past me. And he shakes my hand. I felt like a jolt of like evil. I swear to God. It's I like the dead zone. <laughs> That's what it was like. That's what it was like. And I was like, yeah. I go, that was weird. OJ. I love OJ. Well, that was weird energy, you know? Wow. So you picked up on something. I feel like I did, you know? It's, of course, in retrospect, but I remember telling people at the time. So. Oh, I remember meeting OJ at a party years ago. And. And he, it turns out he was a fan. Uh-oh. And, and, and he did an imitation of me. And to this day, I wish I had like that on film. Of course. It would, be, it would be like Charles Manson doing an imitation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was also fond of, going back to your SNL bits, Colin Quinn explains the New York Times. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. And the St. Pat's editorial and and uh, Joe Blow. You 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 look like you were having fun, and the best the the best stuff is you and Norm together. That's right. That's you know, right. There's and obviously the, an affection that comes across on the screen. Yes, yeah, and that was the that was the early days of it. It was great. I'm sorry we never managed to get him here. We tried, and for yeah. whatever reason, he was as elusive as you. He's more elusive. He's like he was. I I love to do it. I'd love to. You're like, oh, good. How about next week? Yes. What day? And you're like, okay. Yeah. He's like, all right, call him and we'll set it up. Next week is perfect because I'm doing this. And you're like, hey, how's it doing? Years later. What happened? What? Yeah. I thought I was going to come on your show. What happened? It's like, oh, Jesus, Norm. Well, like you say, march to his own drum. Yeah. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast, but first, a word from our sponsor. Here's something from your book, from the coloring book, Colin, uh, Comedian Solves Race Relations. Why does your, you say your restlessness makes you secretly Jewish? <laughs> I've always felt, I've always felt like I have a Jewish uh, streak to me because, you know, I mean, I mean, my, my, I, well, like when I was a little kid, I used to watch, the original version when I was like 12 of Can You Top This? Oh, yeah. And that was, yeah. And I was just like, 
I wanted to be Jan Murray. I love Jan <laughs> Murray so much. And just the open shirt and the chains and the tan and the three pack a day habit and the, you know what I mean? The cuffs. Sure. And I just, and I met Jan Murray, by the way, and he was, could not have blown me off harder. I go, Jan. <laughs> Didn't Jerry do you a solid by connecting you with? Uh... Yeah. And then Jerry, years later, got Jan to make a tape. Right. That's what for I was me. referring to. And Jan spent the whole time complimenting Jerry and goes, I'm sure you're, you're a friend of his. Jerry, you are fantastic. This is been the whole time talking Jerry. You're not on tape. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, remember, can you top this, Gil? Oh, I remember yes. Maury, Maury yeah, Amsterdam it's... was the fixture on that show. Maury Amsterdam hit Stu Gillis and oh Stu Gillum, Stu Gillum, yeah, and then Marty Allen would come on sometimes. Marty Allen, and then and then uh, Jan Murray, and they go to Jan, and Jan was impressed because he was like the cool guy in the show. The rest of them like, you know, huh, trying to be funny, and then Jan he's fucking smoking. It's daytime TV, and his joke was always like. Whatever the the the, jo the premise was, the joke has to be about sausages. So the other two would start out with, a guy walks into a sausage store, or a sausage goes up, and then Jan's joke is always like, a lady is on her honeymoon, and he, <laughs> he wouldn't mention he wouldn't mention sausage till the end because he was like, cool. Her and her husband go blah blah blah. I remember Jan seeing Jan Murray on Car 54. Where are you? Sure. <laughs> he used to host yeah. the telethon. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. How do you say that? The Chabad telethon, Gilbert. Oh how do yes, you say that? yes. How do you say that word? I think me, that's me, how me, I me being mafioso. Say it. I don't know how to yeah. say these <laughs> these Jewish words. I love the yeah. bit. In long story short, I have to go back to another one of your one-person shows. And please, to our listeners, find these on Netflix. Uh, you could find them online. That great bit about Little Wayne, when you're talking about how the culture has changed, you're talking about how they don't uh, uh, people who don't have democracy in the world don't they want the nice democracy from 1960. They don't want they don't want our current democracy. And then you yeah. talk about Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett comes out. Oh, yeah. You talk about entertainer wars, and Tony Bennett's threatening to bust a cap and Mel Torme's ass. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. I also learned about you from watching that show that you have a secret desire to play a white teacher in a movie about in, an inner city school. Right. But, <laughs> Where but, you, you come in and you save the day. Yeah. Where they're like, yo, teacher. And I'm like, well, because it was right after, I started writing it after, then Michelle Pfeiffer playing like that dangerous mom. Yeah. And she's... She's teaching them Bob Dylan lyrics. Like the white guy, the white idiot that wrote that movie is like, Bob Dylan, there's nothing those kids would hate more than Bob Dylan lyrics. <laughs> they learn the new Christy minstrels. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you get any blowback? You have that wonderful joke in, in Long Story Short. Also, congratulations on the Ray Liotta impersonation, which we were talking about before we put the mics <laughs> on. For, for our listeners who haven't seen this wonderful bit, Colin does uh, uh, he, he does a Ray Liotta, a pretty good impression, by the way. Oh, thanks. A, a, a Goodfellas-type narration of the Roman Empire, which you must see. But it was a glorious time for Rome, you know? It was the beginning of the mob. They all had that... They had that Ray Liotta swagger, you know? Uh, uh, 
See, Caesar, Caesar couldn't have been more than 28 or 29 at the time, but he was already a legend. He started out doing hits for the legions. You see, hits never bothered Caesar, but what Caesar liked to do, what Caesar really liked to do was steal. He was the kind of guy that rooted for the lions in the gladiator fights. And hundreds of guys depended upon Caesar, and he got a piece of everything they made. It was tribute, just like in the old country. And all they got from Caesar was protection against other guys who were trying to rip them off. And that's all the Roman Empire was, the police department for guys that couldn't go to the other empires. You see, Caesar had it down to a system. He'd have the tribunes invade a province. Then when the consul came to Caesar, Caesar would make him a partner. Now the guy's got Caesar for a partner. Any problems, he can come to Caesar. Slaves revolt, come to Caesar. Vandals invade, you come to Caesar. Chariot drivers want to go on strike, you come to Caesar. But now the guy's got to pay Caesar every month, no matter what. Crops failed, fuck you, pay me. Plague of locusts, fuck you, pay me. God gets mad, kills the firstborn son in every family, fuck you, pay me. And then finally, when there was nothing left and they'd squeezed every last dime out, somebody lit a match and they burned Rome down for the insurance money. But I, 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 I want to talk about a joke like going into the conf guys go into the confession booth to reveal their deepest erotic thoughts. <laughs> to some guy who may have a Justin Bieber poster up in the rectory. <laughs> Did you, I mean, and now you're one of the few comics doing that kind of material. Um, Say, uh, you know, po jet, really poking religion in the eye. Did you get blowback? No, are you kidding me? The Catholic Church doesn't give anyone, uh, these days, they, you know, they're like, it's been, they're low hanging fruit at this point. You know? uh, they're hiding, no, they're laying low. No, no pun intended, of course. Yeah, right. You, you know what's funny? Uh, it just brings back saying Ray Liotta. Like, uh, Goodfellas was all uh, from a story of Henry Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And and so much of that movie is him going like, oh, and the other guys, like, worked this guy over and cut his throat. Right. And I stood by and I was shocked and I didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. You, you mean because it's told from his point of view? Yes. Yeah. Right. But he, Gilbert said he's always the guy that's like, "Oh my God, what are you guys crazy?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, the whole movie takes place within ten blocks of Frank's childhood home. That's right. <laughs> believe, believe me, I knew those guys. Yeah. When, he, when they're going through the bar and it's Mickey Eyes and yeah and Johnny Two Times. Yeah. Yeah. My dad used to hang out with a guy named, uh, what the hell was, what did they call that? They called him Dead Eye. Oh, my God. And I think he was a button man. Oh, God. I, I never well, asked because I was eight. Did you, ever go to Don, <laughs> did you ever go to Don Pepe's? Oh, I know Don Pepe's. Yeah. yeah. You, you know the Cross I, Bay Theater was in Queens? Yeah. Cross of Bay course. Boulevard? Yeah. yeah. That was that whole area was mobbed up. Oh, yeah. Still. My favorite yeah. line in Main Street is uh, Frank Vinson when he's picking on Joe Pesci. And, 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 yeah. and he's about to uh, take a shot of whiskey. And yeah. right before he does it, he goes, now get your fucking shine box. Right. <laughs> it's great. 
Right. It's great. You wonder where Pelleggi got all that stuff. I mean, it must have been through extensive interviews with these guys. Who knows? It was with Henry Hill. The whole book was based. So that was Henry's account. Yeah. That was all. They said, Pelleggi talks about how he was writing the book in the intro to the book where he goes, suddenly I'm talking to this guy who's like a nobody and he has uh, encyclopedic memory of everything everybody did and said. He, that's why he was such a, a find for them. He remembered everything. It's a it's a it's a hell of a movie. And he was a fly on the wall. Yeah, it's a great movie. No, I I was just thinking like when I saw Goodfellas, I thought, you know, in uh, in The Godfather, it's, there's something really glamorous about being a gangster. Right, right. And then when I saw Goodfellas, I thought, wow, these are scumbags. Right, right. They're just doing. Corny jokes and, you know what I mean, dressed like idiots. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, we had Winkler. We had Erwin Winkler here on the show. Oh, you say and, it? Yeah, I'll send it to you. He's an interesting guy. He, had a, he, he, wrote, a, he wrote a book a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. We'll send you the book. Of course, Gilbert gets these people on who've had legendary careers, and all he likes yeah. to do is talk about their flops. <laughs> <laughs> so he kept bragging Erwin Winkler. Well, what about they shoot horses? Don't they? Which is a great movie, by the way. I like that movie. It's a great movie. Didn't make any money. Uh, Irwin told us that like five minutes into the test screenings, into the audience screenings, you know, with the knifing, uh, Pesci's knife and uh, Billy Bats in the trunk, they had walkouts. 20 people got up and walked the hell out of the place. They were panicked. Well, that sound, that squishing sound when they're stabbing them. You remember that, Gil? Oh, yeah. Said they walked out of the theater? Yeah. Have you met these guys? I mean, know oh, you know with you, you work with Pesci and De Niro. Have you work? Have you met Le, Ray Liotta? Has he heard you do the impression? No, I haven't met any of them. No feedback. No, but I don't really run into those. You know, they're all movie people. I'm in stand up. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's a stand up question, and maybe this relates to my people as well, <laughs> or connects to my people. <laughs> what is the story from the early stand up days, which ends up in you hiding on the floor of a car? And a bunch of guys looking for oh, you with bats. Oh no, that was in that was in North Tonawanda. Yeah, that was that was where I was up there and I was doing a gig and the guy before me killed so hard, so hard doing music, and he's the middle act, and I mean it was the perfect venue for a music act, and he was doing this, he was killing it. I mean, you know, music changes the whole vibe in a comedy club. And then I went up and did my act, and in two minutes they're booing. I start giving them the finger cursing them out, you know, in their town. And then it just turned uglier and uglier. And finally I'm off stage and the owner's fuming. And they, I have to hide on the floor of his car and like to drive out. They're looking for me with bats. And then I had to like sit in my hotel all night and uh, just hope they wouldn't know where I was or just be that interested in coming to get me. Wow. There you go. There's the glamour of the stand-up life. Yeah. (laughs) Gil, you never had a gig that bad. Oh, oh, I've had horrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, when this... they went wilding. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, oh, here's another thing. I'm, uh, well, I, I think without question, you've gotten laid a lot more on the road than I had. Well, I mean, I'm not, not a, when I was on MTV, I used to be in the game, but, but mostly in stand up, you know how it is. You, you, it's not, we're not the, we're not rock stars, let's put it that way. Because I've always heard from my entire career, people saying to me, oh, there are certain towns where comics go in and they're like rock stars. Women throw them. And I'm thinking, I'm still waiting to find that town. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what town to talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a nice little bit of satire in in I think it's in Long Story Short. You're t- a little comment, a little social commentary on your part where you're talking about women's choices in men. Do you know the joke that I'm 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 referring to? Yes, yes. Should yes. she date the guy that runs Google or, or right. the guy with the neck tattoo of the handgun? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. What are, you, what are you trying to say there exactly? I'm trying to say they're they're torn by they're torn between their desire and their you know their practical sense of like yes. this is the long the long and the short you know what I mean like the long view and the short view. It's fascinating. What do you mean when you said uh, and I saw you again? You said this last night. You said New York City is over. Like what we just we talked about this whole show. Yeah, it's still. The streets have all, almost looked the same. Yeah. But there's just, like you said, there's no German deli. No. There's no Blarney store. There's no, uh, there's no uh, candy store kind of. No. There's no interaction. We could go get an egg cream. Luncheonettes. Or, or a counter. Yeah. A soda or counter. New, the New York, like we knew it is gone. Yeah. Because yeah. in the old days, even in the 80s, but definitely in the 70s, in all these communities, they had all these communities that the mayoral candidates would have to go to and deal with people. And there were neighborhoods full of people that we knew that were like, we're part of New York, too. And those days are over. I agree. You, the flooding of the subway was the last straw for you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, right. What's God. happening now, too, is old coffee shops are getting bought up by uh, other people. And and they get advertised as, oh, we're just a little New York coffee shop. But yeah. meanwhile, an egg cream is like $30. Right, something. right, yeah. right. Where That's the hell can you do. get an egg cream in Manhattan anymore? You know, Eisenberg's yeah. closed. Did you know Eisenberg's, Colin? Yes. You're the Flatiron District? No. And, and that's another one. Great. It got bought by someone. And you know, it's going to be like now lines around the block. Like, hey, we're just... An old Jewish deli. Well, right, they'll, tr- right. they'll try to sell it as retro. Yes. 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 Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Colin says it in, in the New York story. You said you, you used to walk, every store you walked into was like a different country. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gone. Sure it is. It's gone. I got one or two more uh, uh, questions. I just want to plug the new show. Uh, you're going you're gonna to do it at the Lucille, the Lucille Lortel Yes, in uh, we're gonna we're gonna put this show up in time to plug that show so on pe- Christopher pe- Street, the Lucy Hotel. And yeah. when we were growing up, that was the go-to gay joke about your friends. You go, "What are you gonna go to Christopher Street?" And everybody would laugh. Yes, back in the day, <laughs> that that was that was, and that was one of those you could do on TV, and and go, "Oh yeah, he lives on Christopher Street." <laughs> Oh, and the other thing, the other one was, oh, I went to my hairdresser, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce was the name. Uh, you meant the guy was gay. Yeah. Bruce. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. It's 2021. What's yes. the thing you said in the show you couldn't say back then? Your mo- I saw your mother in Times Square. What is that bit? Oh, yeah. I saw your mother on 42nd Street. Yeah, I saw your mother on 42nd Street. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that was the biggest insult. Now people are like, yeah, she works for the New York Times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me uh, let me ask you just quickly about Hermie uh, on on girls. 
And because I know you so long, I, I got emotional when Hermie, when Hermie bought the farm. Yeah. Lying on the couch watching the, uh, the Equalizer Marathon. Right. I, I, I love that character. And what a, what a well-written show. Yeah. She's, Girls. She's brilliant, yeah. Both why, and Jenny. Why did you say of Hermie, the character, that he had the potential to be a sociopath? Do you remember saying this? No. Okay. But I, I'll believe it. If I said it, I must have had a reason at the he time. He was a hard character to get a beat on. You know, was, yeah. he, was he benevolent? What, what, was he a bullshit artist? What, was he manipulative? I think he was, uh, yeah, I think he was a powder keg. You know, you could see from his apartment, he had a little Unabomber personality. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, a good, <laughs> that's a good analogy. I want to tell you, a uh, since we talked, started by talking about great actors, and you've known Gilbert for forever, but you probably don't know that he lost parts. Tell him the two people that we talk oh, about on okay. the show, Gilbert, that you lost parts to. One, one time I was up for a part in Dick Tracy, and uh, and everyone, you know, of course, the typical Hollywood. Oh, you're you're the only person we could see for this. When they, when we were writing the script, we yeah. just pictured you, and then as um, as mumbles. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then late in the game, someone says to me, uh, "Oh, they're not going with you," and I said, "Oh, who are they getting?" And they said, "Dustin Hoffman." Oh, my God. <laughs> and and I'm one, I want to know at what point at 3 in the morning uh, me and Dustin Hoffman were neck and neck for the same part. More important, I'd like you to someday see Dustin Hoffman and go, at what point, like, the, what's his name, Charlie Sheen said to Gordon Gecko, how much is enough, Dustin? Exactly. <laughs> you couldn't let me have that one part, you yes, son of a yes. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and who's the, the second actor? One, <laughs> the best one, I lost a part in a Mel Brooks movie uh, to Billy Barty. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Colin would appreciate that. Oh, that's great. It's, it's like it's one thing to lose to Dustin Hoffman. He's yes. a legendary... Billy Barty, he's a circus freak. <laughs> <laughs> the Dustin Hoffman thing's more pisses me off more. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Gilbert, let's try to get Dustin Hoffman on the show. Yes. yes. And, 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 yeah. and talk to him about that. Why, speaking of parts, not not getting parts, did you turn down Scott Evil in the in the Austin Power uh, series? Yes. I'm sorry to bring uh, it up. No, I was literally. He was like, "Look, what are you doing?" Why are you saying no to this? Myers, Myers was. was yeah. He was so reasonable. He goes, look, he's Canadian. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just do it. It's this. I go, nah, I'm doing this other. He goes, why? There's no reason. And I didn't do it. But that was, I was an idiot, you know. And that turned into three movies. Yes, we know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our friend Craig Bierko. Do you know Craig? He's a New York no, actor. He's he a is, yeah. music man, and he he turned down yeah, the good. yeah he turned down the Chandler Bing part in Friends. So we like to give him as much shit about that as we oh my god uh, as we can. Oh yeah, that's a pain. That's a yeah, that's a painful one. We love you, Craig, if you're listening, because I know he listens to the show. <laughs> why do you? I'll let you out with this one, Colin. Why do you not believe? Why do you call bullshit on people who say they dislike the Beatles? Oh, it's just so annoying. People want to be so unique. 
And they're just like, I don't like, if you don't like the Beatles, fine. Nobody can't, nobody's to hear it. And then they're waiting for you to go, how could you? Please tell us your reason. It's like, shut up. Nobody wants to hear about it. Just, I mean, it's just so annoying. I just feel like they're doing it to be like, you know, maverick. Uh-huh. Everyone's a rebel. It's like, I don't but, like the Beatles. Okay, fine. Every now and then on your Twitter, you post an unpopular opinion, which you label. Here's an unpopular opinion. Right. You That you that you thought post-Beatles, you thought there were more interesting or more quality post-Beatles song. Now, you, yes. know, you're, you know you're just posting that to... To start I, shit. No, I said... <laughs> then then I the said, actual Beatles songs. I said the best Beatles song of all time was I've Got My Mind Set On You. Right. Sure. Right. <laughs> Pro produced by Jeff Lynne, by the way. Yeah, it's a great song. I hate that song. Oh, and you, Jeff Lynne. Oh, oh, I, love, I love Jeff Lynne. Me too. But that song stinks. So you but were it's going to take money. What the hell? What? <laughs> you were just, you were just being I, a, I'm provocative. Just remembering the, I'm remembering the video stunk too. It's him in a pinball machine with a girl. <laughs> so and so you, the you're funny being thing with people who put down the Beatles. I remember hearing a story when they still had record stores. There was a record store that dealt in opera records. And they had a sign in their window. We don't carry uh, records by Pavarotti. Check Tower Records for that. Like, cause he, <laughs> he was, he was too hack. popular. Who's a hack? Yeah. Who's yeah. A, yeah. Who's a fat hack from up? <laughs> yeah. I I miss Tower Records too, now that you brought that up. I know. Did you ever go in that store across the street from Caroline's? That old Tin Pan Alley music store? Yeah, Colony Music. I bought I bought uh things from there when I was trying to learn guitar once. Oh, what a great store. And they great had, store. They had Beatles toys in the back from the sixties yes. in a case. Colony music is the Colony best. music. I mean it was like again, that that was like that in the Brill building. Which is, yeah. uh, you know, again, those are the last vestiges of Tin Pan Alley in, oh. in, in the city. I walked by one day, the windows were boarded up, I almost wept. I know. If I knew what I knew then, I would have bought half, half that store and sell it on eBay today. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Brazil oh, told me you love Fellini, so I went back and I watched La Strada. Sorry, that, do you hear that? What? You don't hear that? That's You're getting an incoming call? Yes, yeah, FaceTime. I had a four o'clock appointment. All right, we're going to sign off. <laughs> but I love this. I can't shut it off. <laughs> Colin said at the beginning, if we get a phone call, work it in. It's it's, I, it's live improv. But I don't understand why when I had it on the airport. Um, but yes, the uh, I love La Strada. Yeah, it's not exactly a, a a fun movie to watch. No, it's a very painful movie. Yeah, but uh, it's. It's a great road picture. You know yeah, what I mean? Fellini had a breakdown while shooting it's, it. It's kind of like, you ever see Wild Hogs with sure. Tim Tim Allen and John Travolta? It's just like that. It's yes. a similar. <laughs> They're often Fellini, Fellini would be crying with joy <laughs> to be compared oh my God. to Road Hogs. He's turning in his grave like a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> uh, oh, I love you guys. All right, Colin. All let's right, do, guys. Let's do the plugs, Colin. He's got a phone call, Gilbert. He's still got a he's still got oh, a career. Okay. Like us. <laughs> All right. Uh, the show the, the the show is at the uh, at the Lucille Lortel. Tell us the title again. Sure. Uh, Colin Quinn, the last best hope. The last best hope. And please, guys, watch Cop Show. Find Colin's one person shows. They're all great. Buy the coloring book. 
Thanks, Frank. Thanks, you're, Gilbert. This you, is a blast. You are, the, you are the best, my friend. Thanks, and guys. in your show, will you be talking about turning down Austin Powers? <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I will not. There's water under the bridge. <laughs> Why did you turn down Carson? Why did you refuse to do The Tonight Show with Carson? Because I was, I was under the impression that to... To not curse in my act was would have meant that I was compromising my integrity. I see. <laughs> I can respect that. <laughs> it was a different time. Of course. <laughs> Colin, we love you. Thank nice you. Guys, what a I thanks. You. Thanks, Alex Brazell. Yes. And and thank Pam. How does Pam say her name? Last name Loshak. Loshak. Well, thank Pam Loshak. And uh, finally, after seven years, Gilbert, the elusive Colin Quinn. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We love you. Thank Bye. you. Bye, guys.